Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. You know, before I begin, I'm thinking of the testimony that we gave about Wheaton Wells and God blessing our church, but there's personal testimonies in this room where God has blessed you, he's touched you, he's healed you of a crushed spirit or a crushed heart. There's nothing more painful than a broken, crushed spirit and, and uh, you know, a broken heart. Uh, I'm sure everyone in here can say that at some point in time, something happened in their life that just broke their heart. And the pain of that is incredible. But God saw you through. And, and I just want to open it up, not just with that area, but just a financial blessing, whatever it might be, who would like to share a, a testimony with the family this morning? Don't leave me hanging here in awkwardness. Come on. Yeah, come on. It can't be too old because you're not old enough. I'm not old enough. Mm, about five and a half years ago, I got out of like a little personality cult. I thought it was just a normal church or whatever. And um, God had told me to start my business five years before that. So I was working my tail off, probably working for free for the first year, about $4 an hour for a couple years after that. You know, just really didn't have a lot of money to go around. But you know, the bigger you get, the more the expenses get with your business because you kind of outgrow the little church kitchens and all that stuff. So anyways, um, when God brought that whole personality cult thing to an end, it was amazing, it was good, and I was really broke. And um, Mike McSwain was volunteering at this ministry that I just wandered into at that time. And yeah, so I remember one time, it was like about the um, spring of 2017, I was just randomly, I was hungry a lot, and I have a lot of self-discipline with food, so I mean, it's okay, whatever, but I was just sort of unusually hungry, and I thought it was weird, and I felt like Jesus appeared to me in some sense and asked me to pray that he would feed me, so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that, and um, it happened again that Sunday, like, I was um, worshiping God that Sunday, and I felt Jesus was saying, you know what, you laid down everything and you gave everything to say yes when um, I asked you to to follow me and, you know, start this business and, you know, just kind of reminding me of sacrifices I made without even kind of knowing I did it. And then toward the end of the service, the Holy Spirit said again, okay, like pray again that I will feed you. So I was like, okay. So I was sitting there, tears were coming down my face because it's like one of those moments where you're just writing really fast because the Holy Spirit's talking to you really fast. So Mike McSwain walks up, taps me on the shoulder, get it, sister, that's a download. And so I kind of told him what the Holy Spirit had told me. And the Holy Spirit was even saying, pray for a sign. Just pray for like a little sign. But like what's going to happen is not, he's like, I'm going to bless you so much, you're not even going to know. Like, it's going to be more than you could ever imagine. And just pray for a sign. And so I kind of told Mike what was happening, and I says, you know, yeah, it's like with my business. Um, you know, it's just been such a step of faith. It's like I'm almost there. I really believe it's going to work, and I've made a lot more sacrifices than I think a lot of people would be willing to make. Not trying to brag, but, I mean, I really did. And... Um, 
yeah, so I was kind of telling Mike, and like, yeah, and you know, like, I've been hungry. And then Mike's like, wait, wait. But like, mind you, like, I'm getting enough to eat. The pantry was a bit bare, but like, you know, I wasn't starving or anything. And he's like, wait, wait. I'm like, no, no, I'm not trying to say I'm starving. And he's like, no, we can't have that. Like, we can't have you be hungry like that. So like, he talked to a few people at that little small church, and they gave me like $800 cash and checks, like, you just talked to a few people and gave me that money and just said, go get your hair done, buy clothes, do whatever you want. And then the Holy Spirit said, that's just a sign. That, that's not the blessing I'm talking about. That was just a sign. And then I just, that popped on my heart to share. Amen. <laughs> Got room for one more. Anybody? Yeah. Well, Wheaton Water Wells is really good because they did ours too, like 1993, I think. So um, I, no. <laughs> oh, we paid. <laughs> um, so I just came through a 23 zapping of radiation <laughs> to my body. I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, getting a clean bill of health and just have some housekeeping appointments, um, uh, follow up with the breast surgeon, follow up with the oncologist. I've never had to have chemo, which is really a blessing, too. I feel great. I climbed lazy yesterday to the top, just uh, to be stubborn, <laughs> prove that I could. And, um, and it's been going great. And... God's strength and his grace have just flowed through me during this. And, you know, people have come up to me and said that and um, just encouraging me. And I realized all I had to do was open myself up and have faith and believe. And God filled in the rest. And, and the community, too, of people. Thank you. I noticed this morning when we got to church here, we had a couple of young men as greeters I'd never met before, a couple of greeters. Are they back there? All right. One of, one of them had a, a sweatshirt on, and uh, I, I liked the characters on the front of it, and I was looking at it, and I said, what are those? And he says, oh, that's, uh, what were they? Rick and Morty. <laughs> and he says, you know, maybe not the most appropriate shirt or something to that effect. But I want to say this. I'm sure the Lord can use that in a way for you to share the gospel with somebody. Because just even that this morning to me, I was like, I like this young guy, you know? There's something about him, you know? So, amen. God can use everything in our lives as an opportunity, and I'll get to this down, down the road in the message, as an opportunity to share his goodness, his love, and preach the gospel. Amen. The uh, title of my message this morning is Purposeful, Intentional, Thankful. Purposeful, we'll begin there. The number one purpose for our lives is worship. 
to bring pleasure to God. Worship just doesn't happen just on Sundays in a meeting. It's a, it's a lifestyle that centers on God. That's what true worship is, when our, our lifestyle centers on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got these five steps of purpose. Now, I took these directly from, uh, so I, I'm not plagiarizing, I'm giving credit to Rick Warren out of his Purpose Driven Life. Now, if you haven't read that book, it's a good book to read. Purpose Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren. So the number one purpose is worship, bringing pleasure to God, and not just on a Sunday service. It's not about singing alone, but it's about a lifestyle that centers on the Lord Jesus. And I'd like to read a scripture out of Revelation chapter 7. I'd like to begin with verse 9. I know I told Larissa verse 11, but it's just all so good. I'd like to begin with Genesis 1-1 and read through Revelation. It's all so good. But... I was, I was uh, speaking with Pastor Vic this past week. And uh, we were talking about what, what you do to help facilitate people that stay really late when they're visiting, and you, and you need to go to bed. <laughs> and uh, different ways you can do that. And amazingly, a, a uh, cartoon from the far side came up on, uh, on my phone, and it shows this people laying out like this on the floor, and finally these other two people going out the door, and it says, the Arnold's feign death until the Wagners, sensing the sudden awkwardness, awkwardness are compelled to leave. That, that was one we didn't come up with, is feigning death. All right, back to purposeful. Revelation 7, beginning with verse 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. That's a lot of folks. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar. I love that. They were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God, and they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. They could have gone on with more things, but a lot of adjectives there. The covers a lifestyle. A lifestyle of 
giving God blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God. Pastor Vic exhorted us this morning to give praise to God in every circumstance and your circumstance will change. I remember when I first became a Christian, I gave God thanks for everything. I remember we needed to move and I prayed, Lord, where might I find cardboard boxes? Now today, I just go, well, behind the grocery store, you know, or in the grocery store, they got boxes to give away. Back then, my faith was such that I was, God, help me find boxes. And I found them at a grocery store of all things. <laughs> and I gave thanks to God for them because it was a lifestyle that was being formed in me to recognize God in every detail of my life. Even the ones that seem like to those that were more mature when I gave testimony of how God helped me find these boxes, the more mature in the group were like, hey man, that's good brother. <laughs> Number two, unselfishly loving fellow members of God's family is a purpose. Unselfishly loving fellow members of God's family. And the reason I believe that comes out is it's like we can love just about anybody until we get to know them. And then we begin to see, oh, they weren't everything we were projecting them to be and they might disappoint. And so it takes purpose to continue to pursue love. I'm finding it's difficult to love a couple brothers in our midst right now. There's a couple brothers in our midst. I, I won't, I don't want to put them on the spot, but I'm, talking about Johnny and Matt. <laughs> My wife saying, man, you should have seen what Johnny picked out at Flowers by Louise night. <laughs> and then the very next day, we run into Matt and Lisa, and Matt's saying, uh, or Lisa's saying, she got flowers from Matt. It was a surprise. It wasn't their anniversary, but it was something about when they first... Yeah, so he gave flowers to her just on some, you know, anniversary of something else. And I said, you guys are setting the bar too high for the rest of us, all right? Knock it off. <laughs> unselfish, number two, unselfishly loving fellow members of God's family. John 13 tells us, a new commandment I give to you. This is from Jesus himself. A new commandment I give to you. Now, this is interesting because only God gives commandments. So is Jesus God? Yeah. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Now, that's a purpose to pursue. Number three, for your life to become more like Jesus by taking on his values and character. 
So often we get caught in the trap of trying to improve ourselves for uh, impressing others. You know, as a church, we can take on certain uh, ways. You know, like I can tell certain uh, groups, uh, cult groups or uh, Christian sects, S-E-C-T-S. Um, by certain mannerisms, you know, certain dress, certain ways, and we're trying to improve ourselves. I don't think this is covering that part. That's a personal choice that you can make, and I'm not judging that. It's to take on his values. What does Christ value? And that's something for you to seek out. Christ, what do you value? Because that's what I want to value. What is your character? That's what I want to be like. I've shared this testimony many times where my marriage was in trouble. I didn't know it. I'm like the guy looking at the note on the refrigerator that says, this isn't working out. Or this isn't working for me or something. And he keeps looking at the refrigerator going, this is fine. I don't know the problem. I don't think that was the t point of that message left on the refrigerator. But I cried out to God. I said, I don't know and understand how to properly love my wife. But you do. You do. Give me that love. And I can't tell you what changed, but my wife suddenly says, something's happened. You've changed. It is working out. Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 12 says, for us to become imitators of God and walk in love. Love seems to be a real theme with Christ. Four, number four, serve others. This is called ministry. What is your ministry? Serving others. The way God planned for you to serve others is uniquely yours. It's not a group thing. There can be a group serving, but on a personalized level of serving others, your personal ministry is uniquely how you were made and designed by God, and you can only serve someone in that way that no one else can. You can have an effect on someone's life in a unique way that I could never have that effect or someone else could never have that effect. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11, it says, use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You've all received a gift. You may not know what that gift particularly is, but it's unique to you. And then we're charged by the scripture to use that to serve others. So if you're trying to discover your gift, 
it will make itself evident, make itself known as you serve. Thank you, Bob. I love it when, when we all say amen. I mean, you don't have to do it in my message. I'm just saying, Pastor Vic said, and they all said amen. There's another one. When, uh, when you say Christianese, it's like God is good all the time. And I thought, what a great way when you're uh, playing hide and seek with a bunch of Christians. You just say, God is good. And everybody's going to say, all the time, and you found them. Number five, we, we went through your ministry. Number five, your mission. Your ministry is how you serve others. Your mission is your service to unbelievers in particular. God wants you to spread his word, the word of his love. God wants to, I'm going to just read this. God wants you to spread word of his love, his glory, and the promise of eternal life to unbelievers. Now, you can't do that if you don't know any unbelievers. So it's okay to seek out unbelievers. It's okay to have friendships with unbelievers and befriend them and share and spread God's word of his love, his glory, and eternal life. Mark chapter 16 tells us, Go in to all the world and preach the gospel. And again, that's uniquely uh, will come out in the way you do that. But the content of that is spreading word of his love, his glory, and the promise of eternal life. The early church, one of the... Um, biggest ways the gospel was spread in the early church was by the gladiators um, that were destined to a life of, unless you were really good and made the MMA status, you know, of, of good, you, you didn't have a long life expectancy. And so eternal life was very important to them. What happens after death? And when they heard the Christian message of eternal life, it transformed them. And gladiators were spread all throughout the Roman Empire as a, as a means of entertainment. I think of the entertainers we have today, not very many are spreading the good news. But they were spreading the news of there is hope. There is eternal, uh, eternal life. There is life after this death. And I always found that quite interesting, that a big part of the spreading of the gospel was by the gladiators. Purposeful. Purpose-driven life. Life with a purpose. It's, it's a terrible existence not to have some level of purpose that goes beyond survival. 
You know, I'm just trying to get by. I've heard that. I've said that probably at some point. I'm just trying to get by, you know. Thank you, Jesus. Life is full of victory. Think of some of these presentations of these pastors in the old movies. They always portray ministers and pastors as some kind of perv or weirdo or some stupid-looking hat. You know, the, the old cowboy movies, I think of this one, that the minister is like, they're about, the, these cowboys are about to be done in, decimated by the, the Indians. And... They're all like preparing, and here's this pastor with this, or preacher with this weird hat on going, we thank thee, Lord, for that which we're about to receive. Yeah, that's great victory there. That's a, that's a real pattern of joy, real hope in eternal life, you know. Intentional living. Be intentional about your loving one another. Be intentional about your pursuing the word of God. Be intentional. It says, study to show yourself approved. Well, you know, what do I do? Well, you take this book out and you just find a place and start reading. A lot of times I play Bible roulette. I just open it and read it. Sometimes I'm like, whoa. Other times I'm like, yay. But study to show yourself approved, and that study means more than just reading. It means preparing for a test so that when the testing of your life comes, you're equipped, you're prepared, and you pass the test. So be intentional. Isaiah 50, uh, verses 6 and 7, I believe I put that out there. Speaking of a prophecy of Christ, this is a a prophecy many years before Christ. It's saying, therefore, I have set my face like a flint. Now, a flint was harder uh, than rock. (laughs) It's one of the harder rocks. All right. He says, I have set my face like a flint, and I know... I shall not be ashamed. That's intentional pursuit. That's intentional drive. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In Colossians, we're exhorted, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. It's very intentional to use the best use of your time. I find it's very easy to not use the best use of my time. It's very easy for me to find those little far side comics. Not just one, 
I can go through them all that I've looked at because they quit making them a number of years ago. But I can just keep reading them over and over. Not the best use of my time. Be intentional about your love. John 13, love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. In Philippians, it says, but one thing I do. Now, this is intentional living. Talking about intentional living that will produce the values and character of Christ in you that will help you in your mission, help you in your ministry, help you in your worship, help you in all those other things that we mentioned. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. That's so vital to a Christian life. I must be looking at what's ahead because what's behind cannot be changed. Or as my mama used to tell me, stop crying under, stop crying over spilt milk. I don't know why she would say that. I got in trouble for spilling my milk. But. And then being thankful, number three, purposeful, intentional, and thankful. And all of these are interconnected. One of the things that I find as Christians, I don't believe we celebrate enough. We need to have more celebrations. You know, we kind of celebrate... Thanksgiving's an easy one. It's given, but it's kind of solemn in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, we're thankful. We must remember all our blessings. I, I think we need to come up with more ideas for reasons of celebrating Christ, celebrating our love for one another, celebrating everything. We have Christmas. Christmas is a big one for people. So many people have different experiences with Christmas. Um, if you study the history of Christmas, you know, you go, it's really not Christ's birthday. It just isn't. Um, I think I'll share this. For a number of years, my wife and I wouldn't celebrate Christmas outright. You know, no tree, no stuff. We had it from different reasons. I'm Scottish. I was like, there's no money. You know, I don't have to spend on this. This is great. Um, but we found nobody ever invited us over to their homes at Christmas times as a pastor because they thought we would judge them because they had a tree and all that, all, all the stuff of Christmas. But we wouldn't have done that. Maybe we did. I don't know. Uh, but they, they, they just didn't invite us to their celebrations during that time. And uh, my wife said, you know, we, we should get a tree. And I said, all right. This was several years after pastoring. Went out, chopped down a tree, brought it in. My kids were all excited. She was excited. I was like, man, that cost a lot of money to decorate. <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
Anyhow, so we had a tree now, and we invited folks over. They are all like this. You have a tree. Wow. And all of a sudden, we're in now. <laughs> now, I want to tell you my pers- perspective on that. Perspective is very important. It's vital. The lady goes to the coffee shop. She orders a a salmon bagel. It's $18. And she says, man, this better be a good salmon sandwich bagel for $18. And the the sandwich maker says, well, from the salmon's perspective, it is. <laughs> so perspective is huge. Um, the purpose for what we wanted to do, and I, w- I was like, oh, Christmas is all into commercialism. You know, all the commercial, we've, we've ruined it, the spirit of, you know, every argument I could come up with. But you know where the word commercial actually came out of? The word commerce, which comes to the French word merci, thankfulness. Commerce was originally a word to express kindness. I have something I give to you. Well, I have something and I'll give to you. And the original wording of commerce was kindness. Another thing about Christmas is, I don't mean to beat Christmas to death here, but another thing about Christmas is the... uh, uh, not only the commercialism, you can find the kindness in it, the commerce in it, was the use of, we're going to get rid of the word Christmas, Christmas. We're going to go with Xmas, and we're going to go with happy holidays. Well, holidays is holy days. So you can find an opportunity to share God's love in every circumstance and everything that somebody does. If your life is centered on Christ. Thankfulness. One of the best ways to be thankful. Psalm 95.2, it says, Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. So we think of his goodness and we're thankful. I'm thankful for his goodness towards me. It was the goodness of God that led me to repentance. It wasn't my own goodness that led me to repentance. It wasn't my own, oh, I feel badly about what I've done. I did. I feel badly about the way I'm living. I feel badly about certain things. Um, That didn't lead me to repentance it just led me to be feeling badly. That was the end of it. Yeah, I feel pretty bad. What can I do to feel better? 
But it was the goodness of God that led me into that moment of repentance, of change, of, a, of my whole life taking a different course. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. You with me so far? God is good. (laughs) In uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 16, we see this. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, blessed them, and gave thanks. And what happened? What happened? It was multiplied. When you give thanks, things in your life are multiplied. Your heart expands. Your 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 Warm feelings about life in general expand when you give thanks to God. Now, think of the condition they were in. They're looking at feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves and a few fish. That's a major event in my life. And Vic, Pastor Vic, we'd be like, shall we call, uh, where's the pizza place you like? Papa John's, (laughs) how many pizzas do we need? How are we going to pay for this? You know, Jesus took a big risk. It says he was faced with all the same things you're faced with. He was faced with, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to depend on God's goodness, and we're going to see how this rides out. And thankfulness was a key to that. When I'm thankful, I can count on God to see me ride it through. I don't have to worry about the outcome because I may have a preconceived idea of what I want the outcome to be and it might be completely different. Another area of being thankful is to cultivate humility. Humility being the opposite of pride. Pride says, I really don't need to depend on God. I can do this. I got this. But cultivate humility. Gratitude grows from the root of humility. You want to be thankful? Allow humility to be in your life. Humility that says, my God is everything to me. Humility that says, thanks be to God who healed me, touched me, saved me. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Not sure what that says. I'm going to read it. Well, it's up there. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. I love that. Humility is the fear of the Lord. 
it wages, its wages are riches and honor and life. Our sister Kat was sharing her testimony. She worked hard. She labored hard. She sacrificed a lot. But what I see in the midst of all that was a life of humility. It's, it's the hard work also produces, but the true produce in Proverbs 10.22, it says it's not, it is God who gives the man ability to get wealth. And he adds to it no sorrow. Gratitude grows from the, fruit, uh, from the root of humility. And then lastly, in thankfulness, or thankful, being thankful lifestyle, is appreciate the ordinary. Zechariah tells us, do not despise the small things. Do not despise and look down on the mundane things of life. Learn to appreciate the sunrise, the sunset. Those are easy, really. I love sunrises and sunsets. It's what happens in between those two things that I find often quite difficult to cope with. But if I start out right with the sunrise, by the time the sun sets, maybe I've kept that throughout the day. Do not despise the day of small things. The small things in our life, the ordinary things in our lives are, are very important to be thankful for. In, in Matthew, we see the story, Matthew chapter 19, we see the story of the disciples shooing the children away. The children wanted to, they saw the commotion, they saw the people's excitement about this man, Jesus, and children like to be a part of something they see that's exciting. You know, they, they want a part of it. And the disciples tried to shoo them away. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to celebrate the small things, the ordinary things, the common things that adults often find to be a distraction and an and a irritation. He says, I'm going to celebrate these children, and I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to spend some time with them. So, just quickly in review, be purposeful, be intentional, and be thankful in this season, and find an opportunity in no matter what it is to celebrate and have that atmosphere of what are we celebrating but Christ, salvation, eternal life, and the love that we have for one another and for the world. And I wanted to finish with this. When I, I kind of missed this point. I got one minute left. Hang in there. <clears throat> when it says to go into all the world and preach the gospel... It goes on to say, and make disciples. It doesn't say make babies. Not baby Christians and leave them behind. You have a ministry 
and you have a mission that only you can carry out in the way that you would do it. But when you have that person that you have brought into your life, you continue with them and you see them mature. You don't leave them on the doorstep of the neighbors in a box and say, sorry. It says, make disciples, not babies, disciples. You spend time with them. You grow them. You love them. You care for them. You nurture them in Christ and in the things that you have in your life, and they will become disciples of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.